Well, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for being here with us today at City First Church. Jer and I are so grateful to have each and every one of you joining us. I want to take just a second and say a huge happy Mother's Day to all the moms who are watching. We celebrate you today. Thank you for nurturing and loving and guiding. And I want to pause and just acknowledge that I know that days like today can also hold heartache uh, because maybe your mom struggled in how to truly love you, or perhaps maybe you've lost a mom, or maybe you've lost a child. So please just know that today we're praying for you. And I also know that there are women listening in and watching who maybe desire to be a mom, and that dream hasn't quite come true yet. And Maybe your path to motherhood hasn't gone the way you had expected. Today, we honor all of the mom hearts, the ones who love and nurture and care in all different kinds of ways. We love you and we see you today. Well, before we jump into the teaching today, I want to just pause and open us up in prayer. You know, even though we might be listening right now, sitting in our comfy clothes on our couch with our feet up, my challenge to all of us is that we would be fully engaged with minds that are attentive and hearts that are expectant for what God wants to show us or what he wants to reveal to us today. So can we just pause right where we're at and, and pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time together today. God, we're grateful that we get to have church today, that we get to be a part. And so God, no matter where we're watching from, we just say we lean in with expected hearts, ready, God, for you to show up and teach us and challenge us. We are ready to learn today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Right from the comfort of your couch, a big amen. So here we are, guys. We are still living through a pandemic. <laughs> Does anyone else feel like they are living in the twilight zone? I mean, not only are we living this quarantine life, but now they say that murder hornets have been spotted in the U.S. <laughs> you guys, we cannot make this stuff up, right? I saw this meme this week, and I thought, you know what? This pretty much sums up what 2020 has looked like. There you go. There you have it, you guys. Isn't that so true? You know, this quarantine life has us doing some pretty desperate things, like giving ourselves and our loved ones haircuts. All I can say is poor packs. You know, once Jer and my older boys saw my lack of expertise on packs, they decided they'd rather go with the shaggy look. And a couple of weeks ago, I reached out to my hair lady because my gray roots had grown out about an inch and a half. You guys, it was so bad. And she graciously dropped off some professional color for me, and I nervously proceeded to mix the color and apply it to my roots. And I honestly can say, I didn't do too bad. So, you know, if this pastoring thing doesn't work out, I can always, I guess, go do hair. But this is what I notice, is that this quarantine life is kind of like my gray hair. The longer we're in this thing, the more I am seeing my true colors, right? I mean, at first I was all like, all right, let's do this thing. We got this, bring it on. We're in this together. But I think it's safe to say that mindset has kind of worn off. People are becoming agitated. There's frustration around us. There's an uneasiness, right? Because we just don't know what the future looks like. Before all of this, things seemed pretty predictable. You know, as I've been pondering everything that's been going on around me, and also in me, 
honestly, I've been brought back to the scripture. It kind of dropped in my head this week. And in the scripture, the author, the apostle Paul is basically writing a thank you note to the church in Philippi for sending him support and gifts. Let's look in and read what he wrote. It says this, I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once again, you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I want us to focus on one line in there for a moment. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I want to repeat that. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I want you just to think about those words for a minute and let them sink in. And you know this, as Paul is writing this, he's finding himself in his own quarantine life. He's actually writing this from prison. His situation is not ideal. Things weren't picture perfect. It would be one thing if he was writing that line saying, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself from his home with his family, not living in want, but that's not where we find him. I don't know about you guys, but if I was writing a letter from quarantine life right now, it would not sound like I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. In verses 11 and 12 that we just read, there are three words that are repeated twice, content, learned, and circumstances. Now, Paul is trying to get a message through here. He's not emphasizing these words twice because he's forgetful like me, okay? He has a purpose here. So I want us to walk through these words. And let's talk about this word first, content. What does it mean to be content? Here's the definition. It means this, in a state of peaceful happiness. Now, even as I was writing my notes, I almost laughed out loud at this definition because this is how I envisioned peaceful, happy Jen in this season. No packs. You can't watch that show. You've already asked me a hundred times today. Everyone, the dishes aren't going to clean themselves. Oh, the dog threw up again. I got it. It's still 50 degrees in May. Perfect. Guys, this is not me. And I don't think this is us. I'm just being honest. I mean, think about those words for a second that Paul wrote, peaceful happiness. This definitely does not describe the current tenor of our culture right now. It doesn't describe me right now. Most of the time, I feel like peaceful happiness is eluding me. It's probably eluding you because in our Western mindset, contentment is something we strive for and work to attain. We always need more or something different. See, I think we have it backwards, actually. We think that contentment goes from outward to inward, but really it works from inward to outward. In other words, true contentment comes from what is happening inside of me. And then it shifts the perspective of what I see happening around me. But so often we think to ourselves, if my outward circumstances change, then I will attain inward contentment. There's our second word, circumstances, right? If my circumstances just change, then things will be different. 
Verse 12 says this, in any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. The apostle Paul just, he wrecks me here. Honestly, he's saying true contentment, listen, true contentment isn't based on our circumstances. He's saying, I'm good, whether I have a little or a lot, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether I have abundance or need. Wow. See, most of us think, or at least the way my mindset can tend to be, is that if my circumstances were just different, then I would have contentment, peaceful happiness. I call it the if-then mindset. (laughs) If I just had more money, if I just had that car, if my wife just acted like, if my husband just treated me like, if my kids just acted a certain way, if I looked like that person, if that one thing hadn't happened to me, if I just had more, if things were different, then I would have peaceful happiness. See, we all do this. I do it. You do it. We play the if-then game. I've done it this week. You know, if I just didn't have to juggle all of this that's going on, if I just had her personality, I could handle this better. If my circumstances were different, I found myself becoming this word, resentful. You know, the opposite of contentment is resentment. Instead of living in peaceful happiness, we slowly drift into an agitated displeasure, right? Resentment wishing our circumstances were different because if they were different, we would feel different. I want you to hear me very clear. I'm not saying that you don't work hard to change the things you can change. I'm not saying that we just throw our hands up in the air and not do the work in ourselves, in our families, in our relationships, in our communities. Contentment isn't passive. I want you to hear me there. See, the apostle Paul wasn't passive. There were certain things that he was passionate about, but I'm not talking about the things you can change or work to change. I'm talking about pinning your contentment, your state of peaceful happiness on outward circumstances you have no control over and you can't change like a pandemic. (laughs) So I have a question for you. What if have you been pinning your contentment on? What if Have you been pinning your contentment on? You know, I have some encouragement for you in our last word because we can tend to get a little discouraged and be like, okay, how will I ever attain peaceful happiness? Well, this is our last word, learned. And it's actually a really encouraging word because, you know, knowing the apostle Paul before he met Jesus and Jesus changed his life, one would guess that his natural inclination, his natural leaning would not be one that would easily say, whether I have a little or a lot, I'm okay. He was a driven person. He was someone who was very disconnected from God. He was a bad, bad person. But instead, once he met Jesus, And the Holy Spirit began to do a work in him. He learned, there's that key word, learned how to be content. Meaning it wasn't the wave of a magic wand, you guys. It wasn't a one-time prayer. Instead, it was this word, a process. A process. Learning is a process. And Paul said he learned how to be content. You know, our second son, Connor, is about to graduate high school, and he would tell you that learning has been a process. 13 years, K 
through 12, a long process that he is happy to be moving on from. But learning is a process. It takes longer than we want it to. So I want you to be encouraged today. If the apostle Paul, okay, had to learn contentment, then we will have to learn it too. So how do we learn it? You learn it by being put in circumstances where you aren't content. You're like, that's not what I wanted to hear, Jen. Because here's the deal. We know that we don't learn how to be content in perfect and good circumstances. And life will be sure, <laughs> mark my words, to give you plenty of opportunities to learn how to be content. Plenty of difficult circumstances to learn. Paul says he learned this secret or mystery, the Word of God says, of being content with much or little. So what's the secret of contentment? I think the secret is peppered all throughout his letters in the New Testament and can be summed up in three small verses in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And it says this, it's really simple, okay? Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. So here is our three-step program for contentment, okay? It's the secret sauce, rejoice, pray, give thanks. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. I'm saying it three times because I want you to get it in your spirit. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. First, rejoice or praise, as I would say. When we do this, we lift our perspective off of our circumstance and on to God. When we rejoice, we are reminded, you guys, that God is bigger, that He is near, that He is for us. And when we praise, it helps lift that cloud, the fogginess. I don't understand how it works, but it does. In your homes this week, I want you to try this. I want you to turn on some worship music. I want you to sing a song to God. Some of you are like, Jen, I can't sing. It doesn't matter. He wants to hear your voice. I want you to have praise and worship playing in the background of your daily routines. And I want you just to see how things change because something happens when we rejoice, when we shift our perspective off of our circumstances and on to our God. The second thing is pray. Pray continually, it says. What does that mean to pray? It means to connect with your creator, to talk to God, to share your thoughts and feelings with him. Okay, I know this sounds simple, you guys, but most oftentimes we just don't do it. We talk to everyone else but God. I mean, hello, I want to remind us that we, me and you, we have access to our creator anytime we want. Paul says to pray continually, meaning we all the time, anytime have access to God. The door is open for you. We can talk to God about our families, our future, our frustrations, our fears at any time. And I want you to try that this week as well. I want you to talk to God. I want you to connect with him. And I want you to look at it this way, okay? As a parent, one of my greatest joys is when I ask my kids to come and sit down next to me and we have a conversation and they share with me the good, the struggles, the wins, the fears you know that God's heart desires to connect with you? And that's simply what prayer is. It's not just for the pastors to pray. You have access to God wherever, whenever, about whatever. 
Lastly, I think part of the secret sauce is this, give thanks. You know this, that thankfulness and contentment walk hand in hand. If you're struggling to have peaceful happiness, I encourage you to turn to giving thanks. See, Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. Ugh, all circumstances. I mean, if you really think about it, that makes no sense, right? Be thankful when things are difficult, but also when they're good and everything in between. See, I believe thankfulness is a key part of the secret of learning how to be content. It's hard to be grateful and agitated at the same time. I want you to try that. Try to be grateful and agitated at the same time. And I also have a challenge for you this week, okay? So this is part of your homework. I got this idea from my friend, Holly Wagner. I want you to find a jar, okay, a jar or some type of a bowl, and I want you to put it in your kitchen or someplace in your home that is easily accessible, a place that you'll see it every day. And each and every day, I want you to take a piece of paper. You and all of your family can do this. Bring them into this exercise. I want you to take a piece of paper, and each day, I want you to write down one thing that you're thankful for, and I want you to put it in the jar. And then the next day, I want you to write one more thing, and I want you to put it in the jar. My friend Holly talks about how she went through a really difficult season in her life. And her husband is actually the one who challenged her to do this because she was living the agitated life, okay? Everything was kind of going wrong for her. Her health was um, deteriorating. She had cancer. She had some struggles with relationships that were really, really difficult. And so her husband said, listen, you need to turn your, your grumbling into Thanksgiving. And so the first day she got up, She took out that piece of paper and she wrote coffee and she put it in the jar. Some of you right now, you might think, Jen, I don't have much to be thankful for. Well, there's something. It might be as small as a cup of coffee. Write it down. For the next few days, that's all she wrote down was coffee because she was so embittered of where she was at and the things that had happened to her. But slowly she began to see things a little differently. Okay, for my family, I'm thankful. For a warm home, I'm thankful. For my church, I'm thankful. And before she knew it, her perspective began to shift. Do you know that when we rejoice and when we pray and when we give thanks in all circumstances, our focus begins to shift off of our circumstances and contentment begins to be cultivated. Contentment is a matter of focus. I want you to hear that. Contentment is a matter of focus. And when we start focusing on the right things, we will begin to learn the secret like Paul did. In closing, there's this really famous verse that we use all the time in church. It's on bumper stickers and it's hung on walls in our homes. It's this verse, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We've all heard it, right? Even if you're new to City First, or you're even new to faith, you've probably seen it somewhere. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We use it all the time. And I want to read it to you in context, okay? Because I think it's interesting where this is placed. Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Some of this is going to sound really familiar to you. I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Isn't that interesting? This famous verse, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength is found immediately after Paul is talking about being content in all circumstances. 
you know, Paul knows that he can't do this on his own, <laughs> but he can do all things, right? He can be content in all things, even in prison, even in quarantine, even in hardship, even in abundance, even with little because of the strength of Christ. I was blown away by this, you guys, because I know, I know these scriptures, but I had never really placed them together like this. Do you know this? As followers of Jesus, we don't have to have the same mindset as the rest of the world. We don't have to live with peaceful happiness based on outward circumstances. We can have it right now, right where we are at. And guess what? We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We can live the quarantine life. We can, we can face the things that we're facing in our job. We can face the things that we're facing in our struggles, in our families, in, in our communities, because we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. I want you to see that verse with a new perspective today. I want you to see it with a new, a new filter going, okay, God, when I'm living and I'm struggling to, to live with contentment in my circumstance, I wish things were so different right now. I wish I could see my family. I wish that thing hadn't happened. I wish that was different. Guess what? In the middle of that, we can do all things. We can live this life right now through Christ who gives us strength. You know, I, you might be watching today and you might be saying, Jen, I am, this is the first time I'm kind of hearing about Jesus and how, what he can do for us. And I've lived my life going, you know what? I'm trying to change my circumstances. I'm trying to gain this. I need more of this to find contentment. And you're telling me that contentment can be found in Jesus. Yes, it can be found in Jesus. And it's as simple as you saying, Jesus, come into my heart. I'm tired of doing things on my own. I want you, I want you to be my source, my strength. So I wanna lead us in a prayer together. And if you wanna make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of your life today, just right where you're at, you can say this prayer out loud. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for dying on the cross for my sin. I choose today to make you the leader and the forgiver of my life. I'm tired of doing things on my own. Today, I want you to take the lead. I accept you into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. That is the best prayer you could ever pray. And we are so excited for you. So to the rest of us, as we head off into the rest of our day, I just wanna remind us, rejoice, pray, and give thanks and let's learn to grow in contentment together. It is possible and you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength.